0: Wonderful Radio Flanagan, with me, Paul Flanagan. So, here we are, in the car, and um, I was thinking about Christmas... Not because I'm feeling generous in buying tons of presents or anything, but um, about the whole thing about Christmas. This was a little podcast I was going to do um, when I was sitting down somewhere uh, at home with my notes so that I could you know, keep my mind fresh with what I was going to talk about. Uh, but I realized now that I could be two hours in the car coming home, so I thought, what the hell, let's just go for it. Because I remember <clears throat> going back you know, to, to like your first Christmases, Christmas concerts, when you were at school. Because um, when we were in um, infant and junior school, you know, going from the ages of like six up to 11 or whatever. Um, and, and of course it was, <clears throat> I was in a good little Catholic school as well. So it was all about um, Christmas carols and Christmas concerts and uh, away in a manger. Away in a manger. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and dressing up as, you know, three wise men or uh, or not, very wise children and uh, little babies and things like that, and you know, in majors and, and all that sort of malarkey. And Christmas carols, and it was all about you know, getting it, getting it right. And we'd all have practices in the school and ever, even us lads, like, because we didn't have like such broad bass accents and voices that we were probably still all talking. <laughs> I've no idea, but um, <clears throat> but yeah, and so we'd have like a Christmas. Oops, have I just strolled the car? No, I haven't, no, I thought I'd stole the car there for a minute. Um. Uh, yes. So um, yeah, Christmas carols, and uh, yeah, I think it was all it was it was all good fun as well. It was all it was all quite enjoyable, and and I think the um one of the good things about Christmas at school was finishing early. Hey, it wasn't until <clears throat> I had those kind of jobs that where I could sneak out <laughs> later in life that I realised finishing early was actually a good thing. So yeah, so schools and Christmas carols. And um, because um, uh, I was in a, a Catholic school, and the the, um, the Catholic Church played a uh, you know a fair um, a, a, a fair portion of community activities around the church. You know you'd have uh, the different organisations, the Catholic Women's League, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but the, the actual uh, Christmas masses as well was uh, uh, was a big thing. Um, we used to have midnight mass. And they used to actually have Midnight Mass at Midnight because, I don't know, call me old fashioned, but that's what it's called. And so we'd have Midnight Mass at Midnight and and it was a big hullabaloo thing. It was that there was two masses that as an altar server, which I was an altar server, uh, that you wanted to serve as. Uh, you know, to uh, you didn't get a merit badge, but it was like a it was like, yeah, I've I have i have done it kind of thing. <laughs> i don't know who I would talk about this except with other altar servers you know because it's not the kind of thing that you would post about yeah i, I said midnight mass and easter sunday <laughs> but yeah so midnight mass um on christmas and uh and even then we used to as a as an altar serving team as it were uh we used to practice for that as well so um we'd have our head altar server and um and i think we do it on a sunday afternoon or something you know a few days before christmas and uh we'd be practicing you know where to stand and what to do and uh, you know not to get uh, you know uh, all uh, tied up in the occasion you know of it being Christmas or, or even as we were a little boys really not to be afraid of all these uh, people that were in the church because uh, Christmas midnight mass used to get packed out I mean and, and I think one of the reasons why it used to get packed out was because it was the uh, it was also the lazy Catholics way of not going to mass the next day <laughs> like, like you know, the Saturday night mass, you know, the Saturday evening mass, on a weekend. Um, we didn't in in my church. We didn't have the Saturday evening mass, but it was in a nearby, in another a parish, uh, which was walking distance. Well, anything was walking distance when you were a little lad, wasn't it? So it was walking distance to this other church. So sometimes we used to sneak over, and I, I, honestly, it was that. It was like you. It was almost like you were cheating your own parish out of uh, out of congregation. You know. <laughs> And you go and you, and you go to the Saturday night mass in this basically tiny tiny little church where, you know, if you were an outsider, a bit like American Werewolf in London, you know, when uh, you walk into the church and everybody turns around and looks, you know, s- don't stray off the path, you know. <laughs> otherwise the Protestants will get you. <laughs> but yeah, it was, um, yeah, going to the Saturday night mass, and uh, and then you didn't have to get all dressed, because it was the thing about getting dressed up, or you were made to dress up, weren't you? Uh, I mean, hang on, when I say dress-up, I don't mean like, you know, dresses. <laughs> it was because your mum and your dad and, you, and and wanted you to look all good and proper and that because um, the service was one thing on a Sunday morning, wasn't it? But it wasn't about the service. It was, it was never about the service. It was all about standing outside afterwards, showing your kids off to everybody else and then everybody sit around or stand around chatting for hours on end. And that's what used to happen, and that was basically uh, one of the lines of communication within the church it was everybody standing around outside, uh, you know, gassing away or basically gossiping like, oh, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? And I think that <laughs> that got carried forward in, into uh, life in general. And it's only when you talk to uh, your friends about their parents that you you realise that this whole thing about. Um, because uh, my mum my mom used to do it. I'd phone home and then, or she'd phone me and she'd say, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Or, sorry, no, she'd say, uh, do you remember so-and-so? And I'd go, yeah. And she'd go, oh, he's died. Uh, I went to his funeral. <laughs> so, really, uh, as, as, soon, as soon as the uh, the conversation started off, uh, do you remember so-and-so? It was usually to do with a funeral afterward. You know, the rest of the conversation was usually to do with a funeral. And also, as well, uh, in... Um, because of the different uh, organisations and communities sort of in and around the church. Is this straight off Christmas a bit? It has a bit, but anyway. Um, uh, I'll, I'll just mention this because it's in my head. Um, we also had a thing called the, uh, uh, the Catholic Men's Club. The Catholic Men's Club uh, is a, an organisation, a big organisation in the UK, probably around the world. I don't really know. There yeah, yeah. might be other sort of equivalent versions in America and that kind of thing. And uh, it was basically a drinking man's club. Uh, were uh, formed by um, Catholic men and uh, they also did uh, you know they raised uh, money and did charity stuff and that kind of thing so it's, so it's quite good but uh, on a Sunday morning <clears throat> um the, uh, the, the the club used to open at about uh, midday so uh, what used to happen was uh, if you went to half past 10 mass, this was all timed, you know, this was all timed. None of this was coincidence. The fact that if you if you went to half past 10 mass, that usually took about an hour and a quarter, you know, with all the ceremony and everything and all, and all the choir and all that. And then, um, and then the club was about 20 minutes up the road. So, um, and there was a golf course in between there and the club. And so uh, I used to work behind the bar in the club. Um, and my dad at one time was the secretary of the club. So we, uh, we used to go to half past ten Mass. I, I was maybe serving the Mass, and then um, he was at the Mass. And then we would leave there. We would walk along the edge of the golf course for about five or ten minutes, uh, watch the golfers. That was always funny. Um, we'd watch the golfers for a bit, and then we'd walk over the road, and then the club was open, and I'd start work, and he'd have a drink. <laughs> and then we'd both go home um, a couple of hours later, Sunday afternoon, to go home for Sunday dinner. I of course would be smelling of alcohol from washing glasses from behind the bar, and my dad was just smelling of alcohol. <laughs> so um, so yeah, so that's a Catholic community um, Northern style, probably very similar to to other parts of the UK and around the world. Um, but yeah, so getting back to Christmas, so yeah, so the church, so midnight mass, that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So midnight mass. Now, what started to happen with midnight mass was that um, a lot of people. <clears throat> and, I, and I say it to a lot of people, um, uh, because it did happen to uh, the, the large majority of the con- congregation, shall we call them, um, for want of a better word. Uh, they were, had been out drinking Christmas Eve and were basically drunk. And so what was happening was, uh, particularly at the back of the church, you, you know the back of the church where um, there's no benches? Uh, what, what do they call it? The narthex? Is it the narthex? I think it's called the Narthex. Anyway, um, oh, do you know, I'm supposed to be doing average speed and I've got no idea what it is. <laughs> Damn. Well, okay, if I get the ticket in the post, it's your fault. <laughs> so, yeah, so they're standing in the Narthex at the back of the church. And, uh, steaming. Some of them can't even stand up properly, um, because they're so drunk. And, uh, and, of course, Midnight Mass, um, also contained, uh, Christmas carols, didn't it? It did. Uh, I'm not... It's not a question, I'm telling you. <laughs> so it contained um, Christmas carols. So, of course, you, you had the traditional carols, and then all these drugs... Oh, we're in major, you know. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't good. Uh, it wasn't good at all. It was actually... While you were on the altar, watching this as a little boy, it was actually quite funny. <laughs> but um, But after a while... Uh, what what happened was it they, they got out of hand a bit, and so they decided to uh, move Midnight Mass to 8 o'clock at night. So, funnily enough, people still called it Midnight Mass. <laughs> but it wasn't actually Midnight Mass at all, was it? It was like 8 o'clock at night mass, but you can't really call it that. So, 8 o'clock at night mass, and um, uh, yes, and the reason why that was, was because people were still out drinking. So, what you really got there in the congregation was your actual, true, non-drinking Catholics. Now, you know, we know there's not many of them about. <laughs> but, you know, for, for those that wanted to celebrate uh, 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 the, you know, the birth of our Lord Jesus, uh, whilst not having someone lean against them, uh, stinking of beer and whiskey, drooling and singing out of tune, that was the Mass for you. And of course, also the congregation also contained a number of people who were going to the early mass on Saturday night, if it was Saturday night. So they didn't have to go to mass on Christmas morning, if it was Sunday. Anyway, still the same sort of thing. So, uh, yes, so that was the um, that was the mass on uh, uh, how it got moved from midnight mass up until um, up until eight o'clock on a Saturday evening, uh, basically for. Uh, logistical reasons and alcohol reasons, more, more like alcohol reasons. And the whole thing about uh, the Christmas carols as well and the singing, which takes me back to a, a, another interesting one. So uh, I knew in my time, um, I, don't, I don't live uh, at home now where, where I used to live, but uh, I knew in my time uh, when I was there, uh, I went through a few parish priests, as it were, you know. Yeah, uh, they, they come and go, uh, lots of them stayed for many years and uh, there was one guy and I, I won't tell you his name but a lovely, lovely man um, I think he's still alive now actually because they, they all retire and go to like, retirement homes or, or a lot of them go back to Ireland because they had a lot of Irish priests um, come through um, but uh, he was a, a quite a um, traditionalist when it came to the service uh, speaking of which do, do you remember Latin masses? do you? because um, I served the last Latin mass. I think I said this in a in a, um, a, a podcast a while back, but uh, in our church, and, and that was when I was about ten years old. I didn't understand Latin. I had no idea what it was. It was all Greek to me. Hey, I think I made that joke as well. Anyway, I just made it again. But um, but this parish priest he was quite a traditionalist, and uh, every year we had a, um, uh, a folklore festival, and uh, one year the. Um, I think it was uh, Mexican singers, or Spanish singers, Spanish and Mexican. They wanted to come, because obviously, you know, very Catholic countries. Uh, They wanted to come and um, sing a song in the church. And the only place that they could perform was on the altar uh, in one of the uh, little side tabernacle areas, you know. Uh, And so, so, (laughs) so the parish priest, he um, finally agreed that they could do this. He was dead set. I mean, he, he wouldn't have a tambourine on the owner, you know, let alone a whole mariachi band or whatever it was. Um, in the end, I mean, it, it was it was really good. I mean, it was really good. i, I it, sure it broke up the service, and, and I guess it distracted you from God, and then and, 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 and centered you on more materialistic things, including going to the folklore festival. But the best part about it was the look on his face. It was absolutely stony-faced. He neither... It, it, it was neither a look of distaste or disdain. I was supposed to be doing 50 miles now, were you? Uh, yeah, um... <laughs> Let's start in 50 miles now. It was neither a look of distaste, uh, distaste or disdain, or like or hate or nothing. It was absolute poker face. Brilliant. And that was funny, because... <laughs> I knew what was going on inside his head. And it was like, I hate this. <laughs> Oh but in an Irish accent. So bless him. So yeah, so I, I think when uh, when I was younger it was all about uh well, forty miles an hour. You know you're joking. Well they're not joking, are they? <clears throat> yeah, there's loads of roadworks here. <laughs> Wherever I am, where am I? I'm on a road called the uh the A fourteen, which is it joins the top of a motorway called the M eleven, which goes through Cambridgeshire and down into Essex. Right, 40 miles an hour. Cruise control at 40 miles an hour. Can you believe it? Uh, yeah, so when you were younger, I think it was all about uh, school and church. And, uh, oh, and naturally, it was all about presents as well, wasn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and all those traditional things. I mean, traditionally Christmas, I mean, everyone has like, you know, traditional things to do, don't they? And I think um, the Christmas day was always about getting downstairs first and open presents yay that was good um i remember one christmas and I, I, it was a, it was um i, I loved uh, these airfix kits you know um ethics i don't know what you call them in america it's basically um uh, toy kits that you 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 put them together and you paid them and you put transfers on them and planes as well i mean Airfix do a whole range of things and um, but planes was the best ones i think they've, i think they started to reissue them again but um, but they also did uh, uh do you remember the Bond bug, a little bug, a little round car uh, that was uh, manufactured in the UK? Well, they fixed it, a, uh, <coughs> a kit of it, and I got it for Christmas. And, you know, within like a couple of hours, I'd, you know, put it together, painted it and everything, and put it down by near the tree, and I was so pleased and stuff like that. And uh, then my sister <laughs> stood, stood up, walked backwards, and crushed it with a foot. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> it's funny I can't really remember um a great deal of the smaller presents. I do remember one that we had and I don't know who's oh yeah, yeah. No, I got it for Christmas, that's right, yeah. <clears throat> God I must have been about I don't know, four or five or something. Yeah, this is the earliest present I remember. And it was high tech. And what it was was uh it was this it was a, a plastic seal, uh like a, like a, a baby seal, blue with like black whiskers. And it had a red and white ball that spun around on its nose and it was like a radar and it wouldn't bump into anything it was one of one of these early toys that would approach something and then turn around and you know once in later years when i found out about radar i figured that's what was going on you know the the the, the plastic seal had a radar in the ball (laughs) and it was spinning around and it would never bump into anything and now we're like in, you know, later on in life, and even now, yeah, the, the technology behind robots that don't bump into things, that was in that little seal. When I was about four or five years old, so I, we're talking <clears throat> before 1970 here, you know? So whoever made that little seal, they were, they were onto, a, uh, onto a big robotics deal there if they didn't know it, and they probably didn't know it. And they probably went out of uh, production or everything, but anyway, uh, yeah. So that was the earliest Christmas event, I remember. <clears throat> but we had um, the traditions of Christmas, wasn't there? <clears throat> like what you did with the whole day. And when you were a kid, it was kind of like always to do with um, when was Christmas dinner, because uh, we'd uh, we get we'd get up. In fact, on a su- on a, a Sunday like a Christmas day was pretty much the same because it revolved around going to, the, going to the, uh, the Christmas Mass, if you didn't go to the Midnight Mass. So we used to have a fried breakfast. It was traditional on a Sunday morning or a Christmas morning before you went to Mass was to have a fried breakfast. And uh, uh, fried breakfast is in the UK. Sausage, bacon, beans. Yes, that's baked beans. Baked beans, folks. That's uh, Heinz variety baked beans. So sausage, bacon, baked beans um, and uh, fried egg. That's your breakfast and toast as well. And that would happen before, so we'd have to get up early. And the other thing was, of course, as you, as you, all you good Catholics will remember, is that, um, was it an hour? There was something about, you couldn't, you couldn't, um, uh, eat anything within an hour of receiving communion. I think that's right. I'm I'm sure that's right. And so we always had to time breakfast to finish by whatever, say like nine o'clock, because if you went to, um, uh, Ten o'clock. Yeah, yeah, that's right. If you went to the the morning mass, no have Yeah, no. Anyway, I can't I can't work out the numbers. <laughs> I've been at numbers all day. You know, I have sat in front of a laptop with spreadsheets and burned my bloody brain with numbers all day. So so if simple if so if you're surprised that I can't do simple maths, I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just not. So um <clears throat> so yeah so you had to not eat anything an hour before communion. That much I remember. So you had to time, uh, and that's when I got into, that that's when I first realized um, about cooking and about um, the time it takes to do things. And particularly when there's like a large family, which we had a large family, um, you know, uh, and and the type of food, a fried breakfast, like how do you balance the, how does everything get done at once? Everybody gets served and everything gets eaten before an hour before communion. That's the thing that I was impressed with, with uh, with my parents and with my older brothers who would make them, who would make the, uh, make the breakfasts. And I took that with me in later life. I stopped going to church, mind you, which is, you know, that's a thing that happens. Um, but, uh, but I still enjoy fried breakfasts. Anyway, one fried breakfast. Oh, bloody hell, I'm getting past this lorry here. Jesus. Do you know when you're right up beside a vehicular lorry and, um, he starts to speed up and starts to sway over into your lane. Well, that's what happened just then. Um, I'd rather get a ticket for going faster in one of these average... I don't know if in America <clears throat> if you have these things, but over here, we've got a thing called uh, average speed cameras. And uh, when I say over here, that's in the UK, we've got these average speed cameras, and it measures your uh, speed between two points. So effective he's going to speed up again i'm going to get in here and he's going to have to pull out because i'm not having that uh, yeah so it measures your speed between two points so it's not the instant flash camera um so so you basically have to do the speed a little bit or you could drive really slowly for one part of it and then speed up again for the next part of it if you wanted to and then the average speed would be correct but i think that would be a bit silly but new anyway uh, so yes so one um so one fried breakfast back at the ranch Uh, And uh, ketchup, tomato ketchup. See, I was a big fan of uh, brown sauce, uh, Daddy's brown sauce, uh, HP brown sauce. That's what I got into. But um, but it was it was tomato ketchup initially, and things like that were were a luxury in our house uh, in the early days uh, because we didn't have a lot of money. And um, you know things that you take for granted. Um, You know uh, things that are always in the cupboard, just waiting there to be used. Uh, were always always a luxury, Uh, brown sauce, coffee, it was like, it was like, uh, you know, post-war Germany or (laughs) something, anyway, um, so, dad uh, had his suit on, and he was um, uh, uh, just about to sit down, have his fried breakfast, and then go to mass, and he shook the top, uh, he shook the bottle of red sauce, but the top wasn't on properly, and it went all over his shirt and tie, and, you know, he said words that you don't normally hear in church. I can tell you what they were, but I'd probably have to bleep it all out. So, um, interestingly enough, he sat down and had his breakfast first, before he even got changed. <laughs> ah, Good lad, good lad me, Dad. Uh, yes, so that was Sunday morning, and um, and Christmas morning, and so you'd, you'd have your fried breakfast, you go to church, and then you'd come back again. Um, and then you'd uh, do the present opening thing, Uh, Maybe watch a movie, and then of course, um, if you're really English, which we all weren't, you know, mum being Irish, me being Irish because of that, but uh, back in the early days, you know, we were in England, so therefore we did that kind of thing, you would watch the Queen's Speech at 3 o'clock on uh, Christmas uh, afternoon, live as well, live, you don't watch the recording of the Queen's Speech, that's like watching the recording of a live football match. What for, you know? And so uh, it was all about that. And then it was usually uh, when I was a lad, there was there wasn't many TV channels. I have to say there wasn't all this uh, cable TV and satellite TV and that kind of thing. There was like what three channels to begin with: BBC One, BBC Two, and a commercial channel, ITV. And then um, uh, and then the, the st- there was a Channel Four came on. Can't remember when. Probably when I was about. 12 or something like that I think so I can't remember exactly when channel 4 came on the scene but yeah so we were pretty limited and so there was always a big movie that came on whereas nowadays of course you're so spoilt for choice with you know your multitude of channels and, and whatever so Christmas Day was all about that it was all about uh, doing that Queen's Beach movie and then tea time as well you know because you've got um oh national speed limit applies I know what that means and, and then you've got tea time as well, and Christmas tea time, See, and Christmas cake, you know, currants currants and Christmas cake, that's not me. So I'll tell you what we'll do for now, um, we'll say uh, ta-ta for now, and we'll come back uh, later on and we'll talk about Christmas tea time. Well, that's the end of another show from Wonderful Radio Flanagan and me, Paul Flanagan. I hope you've enjoyed it. I know I have. And, um, well, I'll uh, catch you next time on Wonderful Radio Flanagan.